show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. That is correct. It is time to listen, laugh, and learn. Welcome back to the Data Doctors Radio Program, the multi-award winning tech show for non-tech people. I emphasize the laughter. Each and every week, we help thousands of people and their broken computers and technology in our stores, in their offices and homes all across the country. Then we package up that experience and bring it to the radio to help the rest of you. We are the Data Doctors du jour, Ken and Spanky, here to provide education and entertainment that we like to call edutainment. Hotmail is so last century. So, will you have a better outlook in your future? Also, converting docs to PDFs, wave to MP3, is there an easy way to do it? And Google's talking about building stores? But what would they sell? On it. Online. On demand. Datadoctors.com. Datadoctors.com slash radio. Listen live. Download podcasts. And get helpful links. Datadoctors.com. Datadoctors.com slash radio. We've all heard the everything old is new again. Yes. Um line for just about everything in our lives. It's funny because you're not new again. I'm not new again. I, I feel new. I don't feel tardy. Um, we want to talk about something old that is new again, and that is fishing, and more specifically something called spear fishing. Oh, I like when we talk in harmony. Yes. Uh, no. No. Uh, that is coming back to light because it turns out um, the Chinese like fish. Yes, they do. Spear phishing, by the way, it's one of the dirtiest email tricks, um, I think, out there. You know, th- when you look at, at phishing scams, phishing scams are pretty easy to, I think, to, to determine. You know, if you get an email from, from a bank that you don't do business with. That the says, Bank of Botswana. Right, that you have a security alert, it's pretty easy to say, okay, this is not my bank. This is absolute bull. Spear phishing, however, very different. There are ways for folks to do a little research on you, realize that you actually do bank at Wells Fargo or Bank of America, or they don't even have to know for sure. They know that Wells Fargo is used by a lot of people on the internet. That's right. So rather than use these obscure banks, let's use Wells Fargo, and then what percentage of the people that we're just mass sending this to actually bank at Wells Fargo are going to think, this is really from Wells Fargo. Because they use, they actually go and scrape all the logos and design and everything, so it looks exactly like a Wells Fargo email. It looks like it's legit. It's got all the right look to it. Um, it just there's some things that if you spend a second or two looking at it and breaking it down, you probably sniff out the the stinky fish. Yeah. So recently, um, in the last couple of days, Chinese operatives, bad guys, they're like secret secret Asian men. Secret Asian men. Yes. Okay. They, uh, they basically tricked workers at Coca-Cola and a bunch of other American companies. Um, so how would, how would the Chinese, I mean, let's, let's go through the analogy here, right? Spear phishing. Yeah. How would the Chinese know that somebody works at Coca-Cola? Hmm. That would be a good guess. Or how about they look at their email address and go, oh, oh at, at Coca-Cola.com. Coca-Cola. Right? So that's why the, that, that, that particular approach, it used to be all about the banks. Now they're sending, in order to infiltrate a company's website or uh, network, network, they're sending phishing scams that look like internal communications. Right. And this, like one of these was um, change to human resources policies. And so, of course, employees in the company are going to go, oh, my gosh, we got to open this because it's, you know, this is something from corporate. Bang, bang. And that's it. They're, they're, they're speared. They're booby trapped. So, so, yeah. So the bank thing that we've heard about over and over again. You gotta you gotta reassess the tools to sniff out these spear phishing scams. You cannot 
even if it looks like it's coming from your own company, yeah, you need to really look it over to make sure that you're not being sent a spear phishing scam. So, so real quick, let, let's give you some of the basic things you can do to make sure you're not going to get spear fished and hooked. First of all, if you get an email from somebody you think you do business with, someone that you normally do business with, and there's a link in the email, instead of clicking on that link, go to the website, especially if there's a message involved, go to the website, manually log in the way you would normally do it. Don't click on the link in the email, open a web browser, start a new clean web browser, and type the name in manually, go there and log in. And when it comes to you folks that are on, in large organizations, you probably have an online communication portal, right? Usually it's called an intranet or an extranet, or there's a, there's a couple of different terminologies for it. But basically it's a, it's a place where you log into your company's resources, and usually there's a communication component there that when in fact there is specific communication that the corporation wants you to have, it shows up in this, in this system. Mm-hmm. So that's another good thing is that you see it, it's coming from your company before you click on anything, before you react, before you do anything. Go into your company's extranet, intranet, see if that same information appears. And if not, then you should basically check, again, not through the email itself, but by manually emailing your HR department. By, or, or Is this legitimate? Right. Now, one of our other favorite tricks, and we've talked about this, and, and year after year we say this, become a lover of Hover. This is another sniff-out trick. That's right. If you see the link... If the link is different than the actual site you're going to be taken to, that's going to get you in trouble. So how you do that? Well, hang on. What? I don't think what you just said is going to make sense. Okay. Let's, in the message is a link. That link says we're going to take you to this address. It may say Correct. HTTP dot or colon slash slash www dot what. And it may say your company slash HR. Right. Right. And you're going, oh, that looks legit. Hover your mouse over the top of that link. And then look down in the bottom left-hand corner, whether it's your email, your web browser, or whatever. This sh- that should have a status uh, window down there. Usually in the lower left-hand corner. Right. And if not, then go, go into your view settings and make sure and turn on the status bar. So that's how you can do this. But basically, just hover your mouse over the top of that thing that looks like it's from your HR department. And if the link is not exactly the same... Don't click it. You sniffed one out. Yeah. That will take you to the Bank of Botswana. Where they <laughs> or, or something. <laughs> or something. Or you'll get, you'll get hooked. Very evil. The other thing to look for, and, and these are the obvious ones, poor spelling, bad grammar. You know, those are always a, uh, a really good sign of a scam. because That's a huge red flag. Yeah. A lot of these start in foreign countries, and their version of English is not the same as our version of English. Well, some people, maybe, yes. that we know. Well, I, my favorite are the ones that say, dear citizen. Okay. Fine. He's like, done. It's a scam. I have meaning to call you. Or dearest. Beloved. Em- dearest employee. Beloved employee. Or some, you know, something where you're going, what? They've never called me dearest before. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just use some common sense. Use your, you know, just use. When you see an email that just looks funny, just go with your gut. Just don't click it because, oh, you know, I got to do it. Just take a moment. Think about what we've said and be safe. And hover. Be a lover be a of lover hover. Of hover. Still ahead, turn your smartphone into a walkie-talkie. Without that irritation? Yes. Right after the break, file conversion. It can be hard to do and time-consuming unless you listen to us. It's coming up yeah. right here on the Data Doctors radio program. Uh, here we go again. The Department of Homeland Security is warning us about another major vulnerability. This time, they want you to turn off UPnP, Universal Plug and Play. So, how do you do it? And how will it impact your computer usage? 
These questions can only be answered by someone that understands your computer and how you use it. You need someone you can trust to help you navigate all these ongoing security problems. If you don't have someone you can trust, let Data Doctors help you. Bring your computer into Data Doctors and we can do a free computer security checkup while you wait. And if everything looks good, we can install a program that allows you to turn UPnP on and off at will. If you haven't had your computer checked out in a while, it's time. The ability for bad guys to silently control your computer is greater than ever, and they're counting on you to do nothing. Don't let the bad guys win. Bring your computer into Data Doctors now for that free computer security checkup and get peace of mind. Find the Data Doctors location nearest you. Go to datadoctors.com and schedule your free computer security checkup today. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors radio program. Remember, if you like the Data Doctors radio program and you want to continue listening to us after April 1st, you need to head over to datadoctors.com slash radio today. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Remember, the Data Doctors radio program is growing its digital footprint. We're moving off the radio station you're listening to us on right now. We've got six shows left, including this one. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors radio program. Don't forget, anytime you have a technology question of any sort, you can ask us anytime, any day, any hour, facebook.com slash data doctors. That doesn't mean we're going to jump right in if it's two in the morning. We try. But it'll be there and we'll get to it. So ask those questions just like Connor did. Connor said, hey guys, I'm trying to convert an M4R file to a WMA file. Is there an easy way to do it or a program you would recommend? Thank you. Well, Connor... We remember that cloud thing. The cloud is here to help you. That's right. And in this case, the cloud really is here to help you. There is a website that we have been fans of for a long time. Just after electricity. Yes. It was right around the same time a wheel was developed. Correct. Um, and it's, it's probably the single smartest website around when it comes to doing, Connor, what you are trying to do. And the website is zamzar.com. That's Z A M. Z-A-R dot com. Ken? It's, uh, yeah, this was, I think this was my discovery, son. It was your discovery. 263 years ago. So tell them about the deliciousness and goodness of Zamzar. So the cool thing is you do not have to install a program on your computer. Anytime we can provide you with a solution that doesn't require that baggage, that expense, and that uh, potential for problems on your computer, we love those. You just go to zamzar.com, and now you can actually just drag and drop any file you want to convert into their little conversion tool. You tell them what you want it to become. So let's say you had you have an M4R file, right, which mm-hmm. is a media file uh, for video. Uh, you want to convert that to the standard Windows media uh, file, right, the WMA file. Uh, and, and that's all you do. You, just, you select what you want it to convert to. You give it your email address, and you go, convert. And then you sit back, get a cup of coffee. Just relax. And relax. And when the file is done, Zamzar will send you an actual email with a link to download the files. The converted file will be sitting on their little web server. Right. And here, Connor, here's the best part. Are you ready for this? This is the part that would make Brandon Disney tingle if he was here today. Tingle? It's free. It costs you nothing. He is a tingler for free, isn't he? Yes, he is. He is so he is such a free 
B Steeler user. And again, better. this is not just for media files. You want to turn a PDF file into a doc file. You want to turn a doc file into a PDF file. I, you want to... I got one that's even better. Go. Cool. Let's say you are a voracious reader and you have an old e-reader and you're upgrading and the files aren't compatible and you don't want to lose all your old books. You can drop those files on Zamzar.com and convert them from whatever e-reader format you have Get out of town. to a PDF. Say it isn't Another so. e-reader format. It is so smart. I smell what you're stepping in. See? Oh, is that what I stepped in? Zamzar. Yuck. Your friend, <laughs> your friend in the conversion world. So there you go, Connor. We are glad we could help you. Today. Hey, what's Apple working on, Spanky? Um, yeah, there's a couple of rumors out there. We've yeah. got a link to supposedly every product they're working on right now. You want to find out if you're an Apple geek like me, datadoctors.com slash radio is okay, the place so, to go. So last week, this was a very interesting little story that bubbled up. Still waiting for absolute confirmation, but it's certainly looking like this is going to happen. You've got your Apple store. Yep. You got your Microsoft store. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, 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 we'll get sued. Don't do that. For a Google store. Google is actually... Cons- wait, wait. Google, what, what Go- is Google going to sell? They sell, they give us everything for free. And, and have they ever met the public? <laughs> that was those, I mean, have, what, what they're going to sell, I get. Okay, I got but, that part. It but, doesn't take long to figure that but out. But consumers don't know what they get. But let's back up, Ken. Let's do that. Let's talk about what they actually can sell. Yes. So what products would a Google store sell? They've got Android-powered smartphones. Well, okay, that's a good one. They've, They've got, got their, their own Motorola smartphones, right? Right, because they own Motorola technology now. They Motorola have a, mobility. Yeah. Mobility. Um, they have Chromebook laptops. Yes. Google TV software. Yes. And they got that new glass thing that everyone's talking well, about. We'll see if those make it to the store, but possibly. But you know what else they could sell? Hmm. I was just at a conference last week. I happen to have, because I've gotten the, the pleasure of working with Google, and I've gone to the Googleplex and got to shop in their Google you, store. You never invite me to the Googleplex. Well, they said you're too much of an Apple guy. Um, they told me that. I'll they convert. know everything about you. I'll convert. Yeah, they said the rash. I'll use Zamzar to convert. They said the rash isn't what you think it is. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a Google store at the Googleplex right. where they, ba- they basically sell Google paraphernalia, right? T-shirts and hats. And Google Fanalia. Google Fanalia. So I bought this really cool hoodie. Very warm, very well made. Top quality. It's got Google on it in the different colors. So I was wearing this. I was I went on a run before the conference. Mm-hmm. And walked in to get some juice or water or something from the little shop. And both of the young people behind the counter were like, where did you get that Google sweatshirt? I've never seen a Google sweatshirt before. How do I get one? of?" It was like an instant thing. It's like, gosh, I, wanna, I want that. You were a god. I was a walking billboard for the new Google store. <laughs> you were a god amongst baristas. So all that stuff that I saw at the Google store that yeah. people go gaga over, including Lady Gaga. Um, I got a really cool Google poster in my office that's got the Ray Charles it's killer. Tribute, tribute deal. So, so there'll so, be some really interesting things. So let's talk about why Google would be, be, would be doing something like this. Um, let's back up and talk about my favorite company, Apple. So Apple has 400 retail stores uh, around the world. Those 400 stores generate more than $10 billion, with a B, in yes. annual sales. Yes. If you don't think Google is looking at those numbers going, huh, we can compete in this space. We have the ability. We have product. We have certainly the name. And by the way, they can do their own PPC campaigns. You think? And yes, that, that would be a, those little ads that you see popping up when you're on a website. Those, 
those Google actually does those. So that'll be interesting to see. So it, it, how many stores, where they're going to be, when this is going to happen. But here's the revolutionary part of this. Yeah. This is the first time that I can think of that Google is actually going to interface directly with with humans, end, with the end user. So who how, typically the end users interface with Google is all electronic. It's all online. I want to know how that's going to who's going to train people for that. How is this going to be? This is going to be interesting Listen, for them. I've been to Google's Googleplex multiple times. These are very cool, communicative people. I think it's going to be really interesting and fun. But yeah, we'll see. Crazy stock prices. Yeah, at Google. Buddy. Coming up, can you hear me now? We'll tell you what you can do uh, when your computer won't talk to you anymore. Also, there's a new calendar app that'll help tame your hectic schedule. show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. Hey, if you like the ticks, ticks, <laughs> ticks, ticks, <laughs> <laughs> the tech tips, gotta love radio, warnings and how-tos we give you here on the radio, you'll love what we can do right to your inbox. It's our free weekly newsletter. You can subscribe <laughs> at datadoctors.com slash radio. We'll throw in a few ticks. Look for the newsletter box, give us your email address and tick, tick, tick. Off we go. It's the Data Doctors Radio Program. Got a tech question? Get an answer in English. Ask us now at, at facebook.com slash data doctors. And now a tick about <laughs> Hotmail. You know, the funniest thing about doing radio is that, you know, these things happen. They're not rehearsed. It just, you know, and sometimes you get the giggles. You've seen that. Um, it happens. Mr. Moskowitz? Yes. I, sir, do not get the giggles. I do. You don't laugh enough. Oh, yes, I do. You're like Grumpy Cat on the internet. Oh, no, no. I'm going to start calling you Grumpy Cat. Grumpy Cat. So, bye-bye Hotmail and HelloOutlook.com. We talked about this back in July. Um, I started testing the beta version. Then it was a really early beta version of Outlook.com. And Outlook.com has finally launched. And it is the, the Microsoft replacement for Hotmail... And what was the other mail client that they had? Live, live mail. Live yeah, mail. It was Hotmail, and then live mail, and yeah. now it's Outlook. Yeah. So, so Outlook.com is here, and and the first thing I'm starting to look at this thing for is is who should upgrade? Why should you upgrade? Is it better than Gmail? What are the advantages of using Outlook.com? Because yeah, it's moving out of the preview, right? The, the yeah. invitation only. Yeah, it's out of the preview now, and 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 man, the signups for this thing have been enormous. So let me tell you from a user standpoint what I like about Outlook.com, and then we can talk about whether or not this is the right thing for you to do. The new interface for Outlook.com, to me, is far cleaner than what we see with Gmail. And really? I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Gmail. Gmail actually looks old. You know how when we had the Galaxy S3 handed to us, and, yep. we, and we looked at the iPhone, and we went, wow, our iPhones look ancient. Yep. Same thing happened to me when I switched uh, when I when I turned on my Outlook.com account, and and you compare them side by side with Google, the, it's a very different user experience. It's got that, you know, that new Windows eight look and feel, that very clean, and, and I'm not going to call it Metro, that very clean, simple look. That's what Outlook. That's what your email looks like in Outlook.com. It also includes some new um, new social features and a sorting option, which I think is very smart, called Sweep. And what Sweep will do is it will move your newsletters, your promotional messages, and recurring emails. They go into their own folder. 
So now instead of having an inbox full of not just your your important work email, but the newsletters that you like, it will put those things where they need to go automatically. You don't have to do anything. It's you, kind of a smarter way you, to you don't have to You don't have to manually sort all this stuff. Correct. You don't have to set up rules. It does it for you. It just does it for you. So one of the things that I think people struggle with when we talk about, hey, there's a new mail system, mm-hmm. you're going, oh, the thought of converting over and everything is just too much. So here's a, here's a little piece of advice that solves two problems for you. Is Outlook for you? There's no way for us to know. How are you going to find out? Do you need to like jump on it and just convert and just commit to it and see what happens? Or is there another way? Secret Asian Man has another way. What is that, Secret Asian Man? One of the tips we give you for reducing spam and junk and all that stuff is to have more than one email address. Yes? Yes. So why not create an Outlook account as a temporary account that could become permanent and only use that for the non-important stuff that you have to do on the Internet? You sign up for stuff or you go buy something one time from someplace and you know for sure it's probably going to result in a lot of spam and extra marketing messages. That's a way for you to start playing with the Outlook account, get familiar and comfortable with the tools, compare them to Gmail, Hotmail, or excuse me, yeah, if you're a Hotmail user, Hotmail, yeah. well, you don't have any choice. Yeah, um, it's gone. A- AOL, um, Yahoo, whatever, whatever else you're using to see, wait, this is better, and it's better enough, it's more gooder enough. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. That's the right, that that's you're the right go, use. It's worth the, 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 the work to get all my, ad, my contacts over and all the old mail or whatever else. I'll do that because I've played with it enough. I feel comfortable with it. So there's an easy way for you to test it in a way that if you decide not to use it, you can just keep using it for all those non-important messages. Right. Or, or you know, where you have to put an email address in. You don't want to give them your good one. Yeah, so give them, give them this, this one. one. Yeah. So How about sm- that? That's a twofer. Absolutely. Two for one. And one more thing. You know, Google, um, Microsoft ads right now are claiming, you know, you, you don't want to get scroogled. They say that Google goes through every Gmail that's sent, and they look for keywords to, to, to target you with paid ads. Microsoft says they are not scanning your emails, your subject lines. They do advertise. However, they do it in a much broader brushstroke, so they're, they're looking for age, gender, zip code, things like that. So, so it's a less... Less invasive... Well, but but Google's not. It's not like some person at Google's reading it's through just all a your computer. mail. It's an algorithm that says, "Oh, the word bicycle appears right. in this message. Let's put a bicycle ad over over here in the column." It's kind of a benign thing. So that whole Scroogle thing, I, it's not like humans are looking through this. And if you think that any of these services are creating an email system where absolutely everything you do is absolutely private, that's not email anyway. It has nothing to do with any of these companies. Email is such a easy thing to to have been compromised your your plain text messages are on multiple mail servers in between your computer and your host's computer and all these other places there's a there's a million people that can intercept those messages that are in clear text so the whole notion that somehow email is private and secure and when you hit send i mean you're just basically sending that crap out into the wild and and that's what happens so i i have a new line after having spent Last week in Las Vegas. What's that? You know, the, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas? Yes. What goes on the internet stays on the internet. Remember, the internet is written in Sharpie. Correctamundo, so don't... Uh, Coming yeah, up. Don't do that. How can we protect our kids on Facebook once Graph Search is fully launched? We'll tell you. Hey, what's the right flash drive or thumb drive for you? We'll tell you all about it with the classification numbers and what they mean. It's coming up right here on the Data Doctors radio program. Sit tight. 
Hey, it's the Data Doctors. Hey, lots of you come to our stores when you have computer problems. Many of you rely on our award-winning Data Doctors in-home service, where our Data Doctor comes to you. Yeah, house calls. Some of you take advantage of Data Doctors remote repair, so we fix your problem right over the internet. But did you know that we can help your office, too? That's right. Whether your office has two... 20 or 200 computers, Data Doctors Business Services takes the pain of managing your office technology away. Instead of using the Band-Aid approach to your office technology, put the experience of Data Doctors Business Services team to work for you. You'll be amazed at how much more you can get done when you're not trying to run a business and your IT department. Go to datadoctors.com and let us take away the pain. In store. At home. Over the internet. In your office. What are you waiting for? Go to datadoctors.com right now. <laughs> like he said, go to datadoctors.com and get ready to to experience award-winning service. Data Doctors. Since 1988, we're the tech guys for non-tech people. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors radio program. Just a real quick reminder. You've been hearing us talking about the last several weeks that April 1st, you will not be hearing us on the radio anymore. That does not mean the Data Doctors radio program is going away. Okay. So, what do you do to make sure you keep listening to our digital goodness? Go to datadoctors.com slash radio, click on our podcast, sign up for us on Stitcher Radio, and you'll still be able to listen, laugh, and learn. They're Trekkies, and they're techies. We are neither. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. That's, uh, yes. that's from that lady, Miss Nomer. That's right. She she thinks we're yes. not going to be heard anymore. heard anymore. This radio show will continue. And you can listen commercial free if you'd like. Anyway, in the, the club. graph search that I have on my Facebook profile. Shut up. That okay. some of you may not have. I just want to say Facebook if you're listening, please turn on my graph search. We both signed up at the same time, Colburn. I still don't have mine. Yeah. They don't like me. I say nothing. And you know why? Because I because I gave Randy Zuckerberg crap, and ever since um, then I've been on their list. Sir, Randy Zuckerberg hasn't been with Facebook for a long. I time. I know, but she's family. Oh, you it's like messing with the mob, you know. The over exaggerated sense of self worth. That's right. Well, Facebook <laughs> graph search is rolling out to everyone in the world except me, and um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of fear about graph search and. Your well, privacy. Well, there are there are legitimate concerns about this new tool that everyone should be thinking about, but I think some of it's being blown out of proportion. Absolutely. Graph search, because you can now give it real parameters, that search that used to be completely useless in the past, once you get graph search, you can say, show me things that people like or what have you. It's still limited to certain types of categories. But something you posted two years ago is suddenly going to be instantly accessible by all your friends. Right. And friends of friends, depending upon how your security sets, you know, or the public for that matter. So I think that's the concern is that stuff that I posted two and three years ago that right now, if you have the old search, kind of hard to get to. I mean, you got to literally go back to those dates and know when it was. Scroll down. Right. Now they can (laughs) say, show me things that my friends liked that are in these categories and something that. Includes a picture you didn't remember. Right, (laughs) taking. So I just want to take a couple of moments to talk about graph search when it comes to young people. So if you have a teenager, I've got one at home, um, and if you have a teenager who's on Facebook, 
you know, Facebook has done a few things. They've put a few safeguards in place to protect your teens that are on Facebook, especially when graph search rolls around. So the first thing they do is sharing controls for teens are set to a maximum of friends of friends by default. But, and what that does is that keeps them from accidentally sharing something. With the public. With the public, right. Not accidentally sharing something. Right, with the public. But teens are smart, and they know how to override settings. Okay, so just be aware of that. Graph search, um, also, if, if an adult is doing a graph search looking for a young person by age or location, it won't show up. It'll be empty. Facebook will only show this information to friends of friends between the age of 13 and 17. So, so there's some safety measures already in place for, for teens on Facebook. However, as a parent, just stay on top of this stuff and make sure that privacy settings are locked down. You should always have access to your teen's you know, uh, Facebook account. We always check our son's account. We check to see what friends are doing, what they're posting, what they've shared, what he has shared. It's important that as a parent you stay on top of that because what goes on the Internet, as Ken said earlier, is forever there. And, and things that they do today could impact them down the road. So there's my soapbox speech about And we've got a link to more of that, uh, that discussion and, and things that you can do there too. So check right. that out at datadoctors.com slash radio. Hey, it's app time. App time. App time. Not nap time. No, app time. App time. There's an app that I discovered uh, a while back. We were playing with it, and my son was really the, the driver of this. It's an app called Voxer. And I thought, I'm like, with, with a V. V, Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. And I'm like, what are you doing with this thing, Carter? He was, it was like a two-way radio on, on his iPhone. And I'm going, what is this thing? And Voxer is a two-way radio on your iPhone. It's pretty slick. iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch. Android. And so Voxer is an app that basically allows your phone to become a two-way radio. You can simply hold and talk and start leaving your message. And Voxer does more than just push to talk. Right, which the the thing I hate about push to talk is these people are blabbing and this whole conversation is out in the open. I get that there are times that a phone call doesn't work. And there are times a text message is, is just like way too much to type out, right? So you, you have enough there that you'd love to be able to like leave a voice message. But rather than using a phone conversation where you go, hi, hello, how you doing? And I get through. Just it's like a voice version of a text message. Now, I found a couple of practical applications for Voxer in the time that I've been using it. And for those of you who like to geek out on stuff like this, um, the app is free for iPhone and Android. We've got a link, of course, at datadoctors.com slash radio. So let me talk about a couple of the practical uses for this. I'm in the grocery store, and my wife is trying to give me a few items that she needs. And one of the most annoying things with AT&T, a lot of times we get these delays in their text messages. So I could be out of the store and finally I'll get the text message. So it's kind of a pain in the butt. With Voxer, I can simply say, okay, what do you need? She can tell me. If I misheard what she said, I can actually go back and play that live thing that she just said to me. It's, it stores it on the device. Instantly, if I say, oh, is this the brand you want or is this one? I can take a picture of it, attach it, and send it, and it's almost instantly there. So you're having like a, a uh, time-sliced conversation, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be on, just like with text messages. You don't have to be on at that second. But the information you wanted to convey right. very easily can be done, like when you're driving. That's correct. You don't have to text and drive, which you shouldn't do anyway. 
but you can have a conversation over Voxer while you're on the road. Hey, you're listening to the tech show for non-tech people, and I think we've won a few awards, yeah? We have a it's couple the Data of Doctors radio program. Ask us your tech questions, even when we're not on the air at facebook.com slash datadoctors. Remember, we deal with computers and technology problems for a living. We're experts at this stuff. We can help you in our Data Doctor stores, in your home, at your business. We can even remote in right over the internet and fix your problems. You like the program? Yes? Yes. yes. Let your friends around the country know they can also listen, laugh, and learn. The Data Doctors are now heard worldwide on Stitcher Radio. And if you missed any of the links or info we gave you the past hour, find it all at the site we always send you to, datadoctors.com slash radio. Hour number two of lots more ticks coming up just ahead. <laughs> We're going to talk about Google Glass. Yeah. Get all your tech answers in English at datadoctors.com slash radio. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This, this is the Data, the Doctors, Data Doctors Radio, radio Program. program. It's the tech show show for non-tech people. This This is the the Data Data Doctors Doctors Radio Radio Program. It's time to listen, laugh, and learn once again. Welcome back to the Data Doctors Radio Program, the multi-award winning tech show for you non-tech people. Each week during the week, we help people with their broken computers and technology issues in our stores and their offices and homes all around the country. Then we bring that experience to the radio to help all of you. We are the Data Doctors, Ken and Spanky, here to provide education and entertainment. We call it Edutainment. Life through Google Glasses. We finally get to see their vision. Also, is it time to turn off Java? That's this week's help. And we'll tell you about an app that'll keep you from getting a parking ticket. Better answers than the guys overseas. overseas. Or Uncle Jim's nerdy son. It's the Data Doctors radio program. It's the tech show. The tech show for non-tech people. You know my friends from the Philippines. Yeah. They call it a farking ticket. Because they they they, they can't f- they fart near the pyre flood. They <laughs> gotta watch what you're saying there. They might take us off the radio. You think? I kid. So, so this the, the Google Glass, not glasses. Yeah, Google Glass. Google. Did I say Google Glasses? And they're not Google goggles. Google. Go- no. Google. The. I can't say Google. <laughs> <laughs> if I worked there, I'd be scroogled. By the way. Thank you. Um, you can use Google goggles right now, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the Google Glass are those cool things that we've seen Sergey Brin wearing around yeah. New York and everything with. They're, they're like these sleek-looking glasses that have this little. They look like glasses display. Bono would wear. Bono from U two. Yeah. So yeah. Google Glass. Finally, now we get to see what the world will look like once Google Glass is actually available to you. Uh, by the way, price tag on these suckers, not cheap. I didn't expect them to be cheap. 1500 bucks for a pair of these. But the the cool factor, the wow factor, holy crap, this thing is cool. Yes. So, and, and you know, I'm the Apple fanboy, okay? So I will tell you, if I had those right now and I had a, an Android phone, I'd be pretty geeked out about this. So what does Google Glass allow you to do? So tap into the new world. It's amazing. So you have augmented reality. Reality. You're wearing these glasses. Let's say you're and and you you know what? 
watch the video. We've got a link, datadoctors.com slash radio, so you can see for yourself. Because yeah, no way our words my words yeah. will not do it justice. Well, so if you love FaceTime, and, I, and it's, the more I travel, the more I see parents that are really getting into this. It's like, I don't call on the phone. I use FaceTime, FaceTime so we can right? see each other. Well, you can use a similar type of interaction with these glasses where whoever you're talking to sees whatever you see. Right. So now think about that. Yeah, you're you're in the you're on a trip to Paris. No. You're what? being you're being too way out there. Okay. Let's bring it home. All right, bring it home. Honey, is this the brand of peanut butter you want or is it this one? Oh, that's what I use Voxer for. <laughs> yeah, but, but but this one's going to be even easier. Yeah, because you're looking right at it. Yeah. And, and I wonder and if they'll make prescription versions of that. Which part of the store did you say it was in? Is it over there or is it over here? You know, because mom, moms all know exactly where everything is in a grocery store. They send us and we're like lost kittens. I, Where's the bread? <laughs> I like the Paris one better. Okay, go to Paris. Okay, go to Paris and then you can brag by showing your kids where you are. Listen. How about this? You're looking at the Eiffel Tower going, what is that? And you can just tell the glasses. You can say, glasses, what am I looking at? And that's when it uses Google Goggles, the technology in Goggles, to see what the image is, compares it to images on the internet, and comes back with the inflammation. You are looking. The inflammation? Sure. You need to get that checked. What was that? I missed. You want me to start it again? No. Okay. It's time for Geek Speak of the Week. It's the portion of the show where we bring you a a little piece of the vernacular that you can use to sound really hip and cool at your next cocktail party. That is Geek Speak of the Week. This week's Geek Speak is Bozo Filter. Bozo Filter. It gets rid of clowns. (laughs) (laughs) No. No? No good? You, you wanted to use this Geek Speak this week because I why? did. Why? Well, first of all, let's tell you what it is. Bozo Filter is a feature that lots of email programs and, and webmail systems have that enable you to block messages from specific individuals. So you can create filters. The, uh, the list of addresses you want to block is called a Bozo list or a kill file. Bozo filters are a very easy way to reduce spam. And you don't actually block them? Right, like you they just, don't bounce back to the people that sent. Right, them. it just it just put, it puts just them, immediately puts it in the trash can for it's, you. It's in the circular file. So I had to enable the bozo filter this past week because I, I was getting emails from this individual, and I hit the unsubscribe, and I never got the unsubscribe, and I hit it again, and finally I sent an email to the person who was sending them. Well, and let, I said, let's clarify. Yes. This is something that you signed up for originally. Originally, I signed so up for. That's why you hit the unsubscribe button. Correct. Not something that says that it'll unsubscribe you that you right. never signed up for. No, Big this, difference, folks. Right. Something was wrong with the unsubscribe. And so finally, I started sending emails, and, and every email was, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. Never got taken care of. Ten emails later, I was still getting bombarded, and I finally said, that's it. I'm done. And I created a filter for them, and they went into the Bozo. And guess what? I don't see emails from them anymore. You no longer see them. That's right. They are gone forever. Good and good for you. Learn how to use your Bozo filter today. Facebook.com slash Data Doctors. Anytime you have a question for us, and you get these two Bozos to answer it for you. Ba-da-bing. Henry wanted to know. He says, I have a flash drive, thumb drive question. Uh, thumb drive is a brand name like Kleenex. Yes. Like Band-Aid versus Bandage. C- correct. These are flash drives. What's the difference in attache, class 6, class 10, SDHC? I, I don't know what the differences are, and I figured you guys would. So and you would be wrong, sir. <laughs> Sorry, Henry. 
don't mean to disappoint you, but no. First of all, let's the the class two, class four, class six. Those are speed class ratings. They are transfer rate performance ratings. Right. They're you're going to get a minimum performance level based on the class. Right. So why do I care, Spanky? Well, because if you buy something that's uh, a class two, and you have a lot of data to transfer, it's going to slow you down. Like a class two is going to give you two megabytes a second minimum performance. But that's the minimum performance. A class 10 will give you 10 megabytes a second in minimum performance. They're all pretty darn fast, though. So It's, it's, it's a, bit, a bunch of gobbledygook that won't mean much to any, anybody unless you're looking for the highest performance for these mobile storage devices. And if you are, check out the link. It's all step-by-step. Step walks you through all the different little categories. Datadoctors.com slash radio. Educate yourself with information. Still ahead, Apple releases a fix you need to know about. Also, can you boost your Wi-Fi without breaking the bank? We'll tell you how on the Data Doctors radio program. Stay tuned. Hey, it's the Data Doctors. Hey, lots of you come to our stores when you have computer problems. Many of you rely on our award-winning Data Doctors in-home service, where our Data Doctor comes to you. Yeah, house calls. Some of you take advantage of Data Doctors remote repair, so we fix your problem right over the internet. But did you know that we can help your office, too? That's right. Whether your office has two... 20 or 200 computers, Data Doctors Business Services takes the pain of managing your office technology away. Instead of using the Band-Aid approach to your office technology, put the experience of Data Doctors Business Services team to work for you. You'll be amazed at how much more you can get done when you're not trying to run a business and your IT department. Go to datadoctors.com and let us take away the pain. In store. At home. Over the internet. In your office. What are you waiting for? Go to datadoctors.com right now. (laughs) Like he said, go to datadoctors.com and get ready to experience award-winning service. Data Doctors. Since 1988, we're the tech guys for non-tech people. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors radio program. Hey, wouldn't it be great if you could listen to this radio show anytime you wanted? Well, guess what? You can. You can uh, subscribe to our iTunes podcasts or to our Stitcher broadcasts, or you can listen to it on our uh, website whenever you'd like. The Data Doctors radio program, we're going to go full digital here. We're moving off the traditional terrestrial radio on April 1st, so get subscribed to our digital footprint. DDOD, Data Doctors On Demand. Bada-bing! Are you confused about something tech? Ha, you didn't hear it from us. It's the tech show for non-tech people. The Data Doctors Radio Program. It's the Data Doctors Radio Program. Oh, big Apple release this week. When I say big, it went from point one to point two Again? Again. So we, you know, we generally give guidance that it's really important that you keep your devices and programs and applications and security software, everything up to date. There is an exception on that get it as soon as it comes out. And that is when it comes to your mobile devices when they have upgrades. Yeah. For the operating system. So so let's backtrack uh, point one, point two, two well, points back. We're about to explain why <laughs> you should wait until the data doctors say it's safe. Safe to do it. It's now safe to move about the update. Bing! You are free to update your device. Yes. So when Apple released iOS 6.1. Oh, 6.0. 6.0. Sorry, I have to get my numbers right. right. Um there were a lot of people who were jumping over and, and making the upgrade, which is all well and good. That's the operating system that runs your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, you know, those Touch. devices. Yes. Uh, those devices. So, And by the way, folks, there's no such thing as an iTouch. Yes, it's iPod Touch. 
okay. Semantics. Thank you. Semantics. It's one of those things that drives me nuts, I too. Know. But when they say eye touch, we eye know touch. what they're talking about. <laughs> There's a song, but that's different. Anyway, um, people were noticing. Demonals. when. Yes, exactly. We're confusing our listeners right now. I'm confusing me. Uh, You are. People were noticing that their batteries were draining awfully fast. And there were people just tweeting about it, talking about it, asking questions about it on Facebook, what's going on. And, well, it turns out that there was a problem in the iOS software that was causing battery drainage issues for people who were using Exchange servers. Now you go, what is that? Okay, if you have email at your work that is, uh, you know, hosted email, you're going to most likely be on an exchange server. Microsoft's Microsoft exchange. Microsoft exchange. So you're using Outlook in the office. and Yeah. So this drainage issue was causing your phone to, Ken, what was the word? Uh, ping, check, sweep. What was it doing with the well, exchange it's just, servers? It's just basically Con- constantly, constantly communicating, communicating yeah. with it. Suck that battery life. And people were having battery drains in like three hours. So Me included. <laughs> yeah. There are a few temporary fixes, but now Apple has released iOS 6.1.2, <laughs> which fixes the battery draining issue. And, and I don't remember the last time Apple had this many misfires. It was prior to Steve Jobs. Miscue. Passing away. Um, By the way, for you folks that don't understand this 6.1.6.2.6.3, here's a real quick way to understand the type of update it is. When it goes from 5 point whatever to 6. That's a major, major upgrade. The most likely type of upgrade that you're going to have lots of issues because they dramatically improve changed things. When they go from 6.0 to 6.1, that's a much more minor update. Yeah, those are the if little the, ones. If they go to 6.1 to 6.1.1, that's a really teeny, tiny, tiny. And when they do a 6.1.1 to 6.1.2, Again, it's tiny, but it was one that they missed on point. I mean, it's like right. they're all minor fixes, but they're important enough that they got to get them out right. there. And so. this minor fix, um, you know, we posted on Facebook earlier in the week. We'll let you know how it goes. We're going to tell you right now because I did the upgrade. Um, it has resolved most of the problems that I was having. I will tell you that if you know for sure you're not connecting your email to an exchange server, hold off on getting <laughs> 6.1.2 until we've all collectively in the tech world... And right. I had a chance to vet this out. And tell you what it breaks. And tell you if it's if 6.1.3 is necessary. <laughs> exactly. Hey, if you ever have a question for the show, it's easy to ask 24-7, 365. Operators are standing by at Facebook.com slash Data Doctors. Where and you can ask questions like Gail did. That's right. Gail says, I need a Wi-Fi booster. Can you recommend recommend one that works that isn't an arm and a leg? And, of course, the First question we ask is when somebody says, I need something, why? We're trying to say, what problem are you trying right. to solve? Because a lot of times when you self diagnose, kind of like people that self diagnose their illnesses on the internet, you have a decent chance that you are either way off, slightly off, or dead on. Two so, of those three ain't <laughs> that really good. Yeah. You know this song, Two ain't Out of Three really Ain't Bad? Good. Yeah, in this case, it is. Two Out of Three Bad is bad. So. You know, Gail, let's start with a couple of basic things. First of all, before you go looking for a Wi-Fi booster, is it possible that you maybe need to move your current router Wi-Fi unit so that it's... That's a a low-tech way, right? Right. Make sure it's not near, like, metal filing cabinets. Make sure it's not underneath a desk. Make sure it's not... If you can, put it up higher in the room that it's in. If you can, put it in the center of your universe, right? Right. So that it's got a, a, a 360 
kind of it's move got a to footprint it, right? around it. Um, if you're in an older structure, especially thick concrete or something, you know, you're going to have things that will knock those signals down. That could be it. Now, it's possible that if you have really old technology that instead of getting a booster, you can just get a newer uh, router that has the dash N standard, right? So that it, it can actually get out there. Now, if you have really, really old devices on the uh, on the other end that are trying to connect, then, then you got to update other those issues. as well or else it doesn't work. Right. Um, so there are a myriad of things that I would do. I would probably make the Wi-Fi booster the last choice. But if you do wind up going down that path, something that we recommend, and, and, and anyone who thinks about this should, should always remember this advice, the best thing you can do is stick with the same brand as the current Wi-Fi router you have. Yeah, if you're going to buy a booster, yes. Don't, don't go brand swapping and going, well, I've got a Netgear this, and I'm going to switch to, the, I'm going to get a Wi-Fi booster that's that. Stick in the same wheelhouse. You're going to be better off. Um, you're going to have less problems, fewer problems with, um, what's the word, Ken? I'm turning old. Compatibility. Thank you. Couldn't think of the word compatibility. My so, brain went south for a second. There's another option here, too. That If, let's say, you have a, a gaming console across the house mm-hmm. that you're trying to get on Wi-Fi, there's another option that eliminates the whole wireless. You can turn your house wiring into a actual hardwired connection on your network through what's called a power LAN. It's a very simple device. It doesn't take any, t- any know-how to actually plug it in. You plug one end into an outlet near your router and then plug in the, the, the network cable. And then you go to somewhere else in your house, plug it into the outlet, and then plug it in like it's a regular network connection. And a lot of times that will be a better way to go than wireless. That would be PowerLand Network Adapter. What a bing. Right after the break, disabling Java to avoid getting hacked. That's Pl- this week's help. 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 Plus, is it time to upgrade your firmware? What the heck is that? We'll tell you when we come back. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors Radio Program. Oh, we give you good tech tips. We give you warnings. We give you how-tos. We give you all that goodness right here on the radio. And if you like that stuff, we can deliver it to your inbox as well. And if you weren't listening le- earlier, we'll throw in a few ticks. <laughs> you forgot to do that, too. Get Just subscribe to our weekly newsletter, datadoctors.com slash radio. Look for the newsletter box. Give us your email address. And there, too, you can subscribe to our monthly BizTech newsletter. The first rule of technology, restart it. Rule two, ask us at facebook.com slash datadoctors. We don't read our answers from a script. It's the tech show for non people. It's the tech people. show for non-tech people. The Data Doctors Radio Program. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Help. This is the portion of the show where we address a question asked by one of our listeners that was asking for help. Thusly, we call it help <laughs> you know we should just make every segment of the show kind of is it's, it's our mantra yes you, but if you have a question and you really want it to be part of the help segment just finish your question with help or start it with help or start it with help uh sarah asks the department of homeland security recently sent out a warning stating that we should disable java because of new threats should i disable java and if so how do i do it unplug your computer that so that's it. a that's a really important question about the state of the internet, as it were, we're hearing every single week now, hack story after hack story after hack story, phishing scams, these kinds of vulnerabilities, zero day this. There's a whole lot going on out there, folks, and you're not technologists. I get that. 
And you don't want to be technologists. I guess that I get that as well. But you don't really have much choice these days. You have to at least spend and educate yourself to a certain degree so that you can protect yourself against very real threats like Java. For those of you that don't understand this, Java is something that you're all probably running right now in your computer in order to be able to do things on the Internet. It's very common. It's a universal scripting language that was created way back in the early days that made the Internet a lot more interactive and cool so that it wasn't just a bunch of flat pictures and text. Right? Like, like it was back in the early day. Correct. So it was really a way to turn the web into this multimedia-rich experience. It's really awesome. Made it sexy. Java in and of itself is a cool tool for that. The unfortunate part is, because Java is a scripting language, when your browser hits a web page that has JavaScript, it basically just runs whatever is on that script. It tells your computer, do this, do this, do this, do this. Because you have Java enabled. Right. So, so there, you know, open the drawer... Pull out the knife, stick the user in the neck, right? <laughs> Stab yourself. That, okay. That, that basically, that basically is what can happen these days with Java because right. these exploits, these security problems, are being discovered. It's getting so bad that the Homeland Security, the Department of Homeland Security, and actually CERT, the Computer Early or Emer- the Computer Emergency, Emergency Readiness was, Team, yes, CERT, CERT, which is under the Department of Homeland Security now. Uh, sent out a warning basically saying it's so serious that we recommend you turn off Java altogether. Now, what does that mean to you and how do you do it? What that means is you might, if you do turn it, if you follow their advice, what it means is you may not be able to do things on the Internet that you used to be able to do. It could break it for you. could break it for you. So what you can do is not uninstall Java, but you can basically tell Java through its control panel to disable JavaScripting through your browsers themselves so that when you hit a web page that requires Java, you'll get an error message saying, you don't have Java enabled, so I can't serve you this page. And if you never get that after disabling... No problem. Hallelujah, you just eliminated a huge point of entry for the hackers into your life. Feel free to move around the Internet. now. Correct. For you Mac users who are sitting there going, well, this doesn't impact me. Oh, yes, it does. Mac users are impacted by this same thing because you actually have Java running, too. Right. We've said this over and over again. This, this whole focus on hackers going after Windows, and they don't no, care. They're going after the software, the things that everybody runs that are universal websites. So, Mac users, you need to go into your system preferences and open up your Java control panel, and then you can go into... Uh, your security, security tab, yeah. uncheck the box to enable Java content on the browser. Well, the step-by-step instructions are on our website, so we won't go into that because it's different for Windows users than it Mac, is. Right, the, it's The all big different. thing is, what is it? Should I disable? And the question, we can't answer that for you. We, we can't tell you whether you actually need Java in the way you use the Internet. So the only way to know is to do this test. Now, if you find that you do need to use Java, I would highly recommend that you always use Google's Chrome with it enabled in the Chrome browser. And here's why. Every time you go to a website and it needs to run Java, Google's Chrome is going to stop and say, do you want to allow this site to run the JavaScript? In other words, it's going to alert you, okay, this is a potentially dangerous place. Right. There's no way for us to tell you whether it's malicious or not. If you know it's your bank's website, hallelujah. The reason why that's helpful is that these booby traps that are set by hackers, they're often, cre- they're often set at websites that, that 
are just benign, like news sites, those kinds of things. Places where Java really shouldn't have to run to be able to see a news story or whatever. So you're clicking on this link that you've never been to before. You don't know anything about it. And then the Java signal comes up and it won't serve you the pages. You got to make a decision at that point, but you were given the opportunity, unlike Internet Explorer, Safari, Firefox, you have it enabled. You're telling the browser, go ahead and run it. Google said, you know what? Even though you're saying to run it, there are times when you need to be, you just need to be alerted every single time. We're about to turn on the bubble machine. Are you sure? <laughs> you know? You know what? I'm going to try, Ken. And I like to be the guinea pig for things. I'm going to go Java free for a week. I want to see if I can actually do that and if, um, if my internet experience breaks. I've been Java free for a while and have not run into any problems. You don't so. get the headaches from not having Java? No, sir. Okay. It's all good. When we come back, Rise of the Keyboard, how some new technology will blow you away. And uh, ever forget where you parked? There's an app for that, and it's pretty smart. Coming up here on the Data Doctors radio program, sit tight. Uh, here we go again. The Department of Homeland Security is warning us about another major vulnerability. This time, they want you to turn off UPnP, Universal Plug and Play. So, how do you do it? And how will it impact your computer usage? These questions can only be answered by someone that understands your computer and how you use it. You need someone you can trust to help you navigate all these ongoing security problems. If you don't have someone you can trust, let Data Doctors help you. Bring your computer into Data Doctors and we can do a free computer security checkup while you wait. And if everything looks good, we can install a program that allows you to turn UPnP on and off at will. If you haven't had your computer checked out in a while, it's time. The ability for bad guys to silently control your computer is greater than ever, and they're counting on you to do nothing. Don't let the bad guys win. Bring your computer into Data Doctors now for that free computer security checkup and get peace of mind. Find the Data Doctors location nearest you. Go to datadoctors.com and schedule your free computer security checkup today. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This is the Data Doctors radio program. Quick program reminder, we are moving out. That's right. If you're listening to us on the radio right now, come April 1st, you won't be able to find us here. You will, however, be able to listen to us on demand. The Data Doctors radio program is going fully digital. Subscribe now, datadoctors.com slash radio. All you got to do is pick our iTunes podcast or Stitcher radio, and you can listen, laugh, and learn anytime you want. On air. Online. On demand. Datadoctors.com. Datadoctors.com slash radio. Listen live. Download podcasts. And get helpful links. Datadoctors.com. Datadoctors.com slash radio. Part of the mantra that we try to help non-tech people with is the question of how do you keep up with all this stuff? Well, you listen to this show and we'll keep you up. And so one of the things we always do is look out on the horizon and go, what's cool out there that might actually come to market, actually be a true solution to a problem instead of a solution searching for a problem? Exactly. And uh, impact the way we use our technology. Well, Spanky, you found a good one. So imagine for you... Touchscreen users, iPods, Android, well, you, tablets. Yeah, so the people that migrated from BlackBerry, to, they finally gave it up. Right. They're now on something that's actually got a, a, a future. A real device. <laughs> Sorry. That's just so wrong. I know. BlackBerry 10 is... Uh, <laughs> okay. They'll make a BlackBerry 11 to fix it. Um, anyway, imagine if when you went to type on your screen, there were actual keys there that would 
make you less prone to errors. And like, you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, like, like they just appear. They, they just appear out of nowhere. On your flat screen. On your flat screen. That is correct. There is now a keyboard that rises up from the flat screen. The glass. Yeah, the glass becomes buttons. Correct. The, a company in California, uh, Tactus Technology, uses a pr- uh, something called microfluidics, and they make an actual keyboard that bubbles up to the surface of your touch screen when you need to type. Well, actually, what they've done is created technology that will allow any button to become tactile on something that would normally just be a flat, flat piece of glass. And it's, not, it's starting out at, in these... Uh, in these touchscreen computer devices, but think about this, and and they put this in in the link that we have. Most vehicles these days are going to these flat panel interfaces, right? You rent a car, and it's you know if you got, if you own an older car, but then you go rent a car, you see even the cheapest rental cars have all this. All new the tech. controls, all the controls are just the screen. You have to touch the screen, which means you have to look as opposed to old school like radio. Reach for the dial, right? Turn it, hit the button for changing channels, buttons and knobs. That's what we grew up with. Well, the buttons, buttons and knobs don't exist for 90% of the controls. So imagine that this technology appears on in the car, right? Or you can just say, oh, yeah. and the button just appears on the screen to help you navigate those options. Now, for those of you thinking to yourself, uh, this microfluidics thing, it sounds like some something out of a sci-fi movie. It's actually something that you already know about and you've been using. If you have uh, an inkjet printer... You've probably got microfluidics in the buttons. You know those little buttons that you push that are kind of soft touch, and they, now this isn't rising up microfluidics. It's you know it's not it's not changing. It's it not changing. It's permanent. permanent. Yeah. But same. It's going to feel the same way. And with this keyboard, you'll be able to adjust the the amount of pressure or fluid that's in the keys, so it can either become kind of a soft gel keyboard, or you can feel a real hard like like you would on your laptop. So. And it's coming later this year. So look for microfluidics, these keyboards that bubble up and rise on your flat screen, coming soon to a device near you. Well, obviously, we'll watch the horizon and try to talk about it as soon as we can get our hands on it. I want to get my hands on one tomorrow. No, isn't that cool? Yeah, it's very slick. Hey, honk if you hate parking tickets. Honk! You know, I haven't had a... Par- I'm not going to say it because I'll jinx myself. I haven't had a parking ticket in years. Did I just say that? No park. Well, I mean, those of you that live in urban areas or have to you know, park in congested areas... Um, the worst thing in the world, the worst thing in the world uh, when you have to go park is that you're, you're, you know, you're just right a minute or two. I just uh, ticket. And there goes the meter maid. And T- yeah, ticket to win in New York. I think they're, they're are they still brownies in New York? I don't know what they're called. They, they're called brownies. They, they have brown uniforms anyway. But if your meter is running out and you are in a building and you forget that your meter is running out, you're stuck. And then what happens if you go down and you're trying to find your car and you don't remember exactly where you parked? Well, there's an app called Honk. It's, the app is for iPhone and iPad. And what it does is it provides you a minute-by-minute update of the time left on your parking meter. How slick is that? Well, and it also helps you remember where the heck you parked. Where you parked, yeah. right. You swipe your, feet, your finger across the meter to set how, uh, how long you plan to park. And when you, when you leave, uh, the timer is going. And, and so, yeah, and as uh, like in Washington D.C., the last time I was there, they, they have a whole smartphone interaction that you can use, right, to, to pay for the parking tickets or parking uh, meters. So I think you know these kinds of apps you're going to start to see more and more of where you can go. Oh, I need to add some more money, and you can do it without having to leave your meeting, you know, which is kind of a smart thing to do. So we shall see. But if you uh, if you if you park, you should honk. Facebook.com/slash/data doctors. If you ever have a question, Kevin. 
did, and he wanted to know, this may be a stupid question, but I just bought a Netgear N600 router. I got it fired up and it runs great. However, in the control panel, it says that there's a firmware upgrade available. Should I upgrade even though everything's working fine? Um, in this case, just like with the the uh, um, smart smartphones and whatever, mobile devices, uh, upgrading the firmware on a... Uh, on a router. First of all, firmware is a piece of software that changes a piece of hardware. It's, it's different than hardware, different from software, but uh, there's a, a chip on this router, basically, that can be updated through user interface. So, so it's the software that yep. updates the hardware. Correct. So it's very important. And usually when you're having problems with your router, the first thing we suggest is to see if there is a firmware upgrade. In your case, you're being told that there is one. So the, you, what you want to do is investigate from the company what fixes or what changes uh, are fixed with or w- what issues are fixed with this firmware upgrade right and if you're not having those issues or if those changes don't mean anything to you don't fix it if it ain't if it ain't broke don't fix it you know and kevin your question just made me think of something i'm having an issue with with one of my routers right now and i'm thinking i need to check my firmware check to see if there's a firmware update so that one is a really touchy one so i Because firmware upgrades, if they go bad, you can destroy the device. So be very careful. You're listening to the tech show for non-tech people, the Data Doctors radio program. Remember, you can ask your tech questions even when we're not on the air. Facebook.com slash Data Doctors. And do remember that we deal with computer and technology problems. That's for a living. We're experts at this stuff. Been doing it since 1988. We can help you in our Data Doctor stores, in your home, at your business. We can even remote right in over the internet and help you fix your problems. You like the program, yes? Yes. Let your friends around the country know and the world they can listen to the Data Data Doctors Worldwide on Stitcher. Anytime Data Doctors On Demand. All right, it's the Data Doctors Ken and Spanky. Catch us on TV, radio, online. We're everywhere. Thanks for joining us. Get all your tech answers in English at datadoctors.com slash radio. It's the tech show for non-tech people. This This is the Data Data Doctors Doctors Radio Radio Program. Program.